0: Good morning everyone, good morning, good morning, good to see you all, even on a holiday weekend and I'm here, yes of course I'm here, I love Jesus, we're here, so you know um, I just really didn't notice um, Jimmy Buffett passed away, This, you know, you know I always think of that, that line, it's five o'clock somewhere and I actually just looked it up. It's 5 o'clock in Papenburg, Germany. You know, that was his line. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? Isn't that from him? You know, and it would imply that it's happy hour or whatever, you know. You know, also Bob Barker, you know, I was never a big Buffett fan. I, you know, no offense to anybody, but, um, but like Bob Barker passed away. So that was more significant to me because, you know, the price is right. I, I swore if I ever went on that show, I would, I would get it. And I was really tempted to tell Seth that when he called me up, they should pull a Bob Parker, you know, Lance Conklin, come on down, and I come up and act really crazy and wear a colorful outfit and stuff. Right. All right. Okay. So um, we're talking uh, today. We're going to cover um, Luke. Oh, a oh, real reminder of whoop. I did my my thing disappear. Oh, I know what it was. It was at the end. Sorry. I believe I had at the end. All right, so let's get back on track. So just as a reminder, um, that if you wanted to listen to podcasts, that's where you can go to the, the websites there that are listed. Um, and so we're gonna talk about Luke 10 today. And um, talking about the sending out of the se- sending out in return of the 72 as it's described there, Luke 10, 1 through 20. Um, And I have my title as, Who Do You Say He Is? I'll explain what that means in a second. Um, This passage um, uh, serves as an example on how we carry out the mission of the church, but it also reveals a lot about God's heart, about what God sees as important. Considering this idea of what is revealed as important to God, I wondered if we have the same goal as Christ. Are those things that are important to God important to us? This led me to kind of a bigger question. What do we think about, what do we think of Jesus? Um, This is where, of course, I got the title. It says, I know the Bible, you know what it says. It says he's the son of God. But however, um, I want want to dig a little deeper. What does it mean to you? What, what, What do you think about Jesus? What goes in your head when you think about Jesus? What do you expect of Jesus? How do you expect him to respond to the various events in life? Um, There was a recent uh, study done by Lifeway and people going to church and um, on various questions they had about what they expect of God. And I I picked this up from an article from uh, Church Leader Magazine. And I just thought some of the, the data was interesting. Uh, It said that, in response to the statement, God wants me to prosper financially, 76% of U.S. Protestant churchgoers agreed or strongly agreed. That's up from 69% five years ago. Uh, In response to the statement, my church teaches that if I give more money to my church and charities, God will bless me in return. That number's up in the last five years, almost 14%. In response to the statement, to receive material blessings from God, I have to do something for God. Now, the focus, of the article was kind of talking more about the rise of the prosperity gospel. I'm actually shocked at those numbers, to be frank with you. The first one, really like, wow, I knew that it was a big deal, but wow, that's a lot, that's high. Uh, but my focus is not about prosperity gospel. It, it, it kind of just kind of got me into this idea of thinking, you know what do we expect from God? What do we think of Jesus? You know I know I know the textbook answer, but what do I internally think about? Uh, <clears throat> so um, the question is, what do we expect of God, and more specifically, what do we truly understand God? How do we truly understand God, and more specifically, what is important to the Lord? And the secondary question is, what is important to God at, uh, you know, is what is important to God at the top of our list of things of importance. Let's go to the scripture. Um, It said that after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them uh, two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was to go. I'm going to read it from here because it's better than I make sure I'm, I'm in line with what's up on there. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you for for the worker deserves his wages do not move around from house to house when the, you enter a town and are welcome eat what is set before you heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of god is near you but when you enter a town and are not welcome go into the streets and say even the dust of your town sticks to our feet we wipe off against you yet be sure of this the kingdom of god is near I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Corazon, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at judgment than for you, it says, and to you, Capernaum, or Capernaum, I guess it is. Will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejected him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us and bringing us all here. Help us to hear from you today and hear from your word. Uh, In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So this last, actually the last verse, kind of jumped out at me um, as I read this passage. passage. I listened... I likened it to going along and all of a sudden, like, God slams on the brakes. Like, it just kind of hit. It's like, boom. Like, well, what's that all about? Um, it was this verse that prompted me to ask the question, what is important to God? Um, however, let's look at, you know, I want to look at the entire passage, because I think actually the passage gives you a lot of idea. It kind of it sets an example on how we do mission within the church. So looking at that first section, it says, you know, after this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two, ahead of him uh, to every town and place where they were to go he told them the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few asked the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out the workers into his harvest field that's a that's a verse we've heard before in, uh, um, in other uh, other gospels go I'm sending you out like lamb among the wolves do not take a purse or sandal and do not greet one another so you have here this sense of one you know, to um, <clears throat> how, how, neat, how great the need is. So you have this, um, we have this mission to the world. The need is great. Uh, John the Baptist is dead, so the 72 now are going to go out and prepare the way for the Lord. It tells them that the harvest is plentiful. They go out two by two, kind of a safety thing. It's very common, you know, you go out together and share the gospel. Um, since this is important to God, it should be important to us therefore the work of missions is part of the church that's what we do um, whether it's here in this area or it's in other parts of the world it's part of what we do we have a mission to the world the example is right there even more so than the 12 that there's, pa- there's a part where he just sends out the 12 this is I see this is more related to where we're kind of at as the church because none of us are one of the apostles I'm I'm kind of down the ranks there if you will um, the other thing though that is time is of the essence um, You get this thing where it says, you know, don't carry anything no dilly-dallying around as I you know As the phrase goes I'm sure that's not the word Jesus used, but that's the word I use um, Go now it is not that he wants us. He didn't want them to be rude because he says, you know don't even greet anybody and apparently in that culture greeting was a little bit more than How's it going? Or you know what's up? And you move along the way, right? Because that's very an very American thing, right? You know when we say things, how are you doing? I don't really want to know how are you doing. That's the equivalent of hello. If you stop and tell me how you're doing, I will probably think, what are you talking about? Why are you? Have you heard of small talk before? You just say what's up. I don't need you know. And of course, if you're like a smart mouth, means goes what's up? I go hey the sky's up, right? And so you move on right that's what we do but in in some cultures you know you can't get away with that you got to like say hello how are you doing how's your family how's it going you know even if you've just seen them yesterday um and i you know it's so it is it is i remember i had a spanish teacher telling me that and When he was in Latin America, it was like that. Like he could not, like if he went to his office, it was like, okay, it'll take me 15 minutes to get to my office because everybody had to greet and then talk to and say things. He couldn't just go to his office, right? So it's like that. And so Jesus is giving you the impression time is of the essence. The time is now. People need to hear the gospel. And I think that has not changed. It's always been that way. People need to hear the gospel now. Now, the second thing we, we learn is the focus, surprisingly, and or not surprisingly, is on the spread of the gospel. That's the point of sending you out, all right? He gives, them, he gives them power over evil spirits and healing, but the point is really the spread of the gospel. So we have this verse, when you enter a house, first say, peace on this house, if a man a peace is there your peace will rest on him if not a return to you so that phrase peace to this house is actually just a common phrase you know you know it's it's well with you peace to you but the idea of the man of peace actually is the implication there's more that that is a fellow believer so you're going into a house and meeting a fellow believer i'm not so much sure about the return to you part um, but that is the idea is that you're you're meeting a fellow believer and where we get this issue of peace of god actually i pulled out of acts 6 or 10 36 he says you know the message god sent to the people of israel telling the good news of peace through jesus christ who is lord of all so the peace of god is not you know some you know oh i feel peaceful it's really about the gospel it's about redeeming the world redeeming mankind that's the message that is going out that is the purpose of their message. Um, the second thing you kind of, they pull out of this is—I always like this phrase because I own my own business. The worker deserves their wages. I've heard this quoted in various forms, and I think it applies in many contexts. But it also implies here um he says stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give for the worker deserves the wages i think this is a phrase that is true of anything i think somebody works for you they deserve to be compensated for their work you work for someone else you deserve to be compensated but i also think that is true of people who work in the church because this is where this context is right Um, and i and somebody who has been you know has worked a church before, also I work with lots of church people in my business. I do a lot of religious worker visas. Um, I have to be careful because some of the clients are churches, and I, but I, I do kind of get on my soapbox about that. I feel that churches need to take care of their ministers. Um, you know, even if it's just a part-time gig, you do need to take care of them. They come and do lots of things, um, and I think sometimes there can be an implication. Well, you do. You're not expecting to get lots of money. There's a difference between expecting to get a lot of money and I want to go buy a a Ferrari. And, you know, I really just like to get help my family have some food and a place to live. All right. There's a there's a big difference between that. And I I'll get off that soapbox. All right. Let's move on. Um, Your job is to share the gospel. Um, It says here, when you enter a town and you are welcome to eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them. The kingdom of God is near you. That was a a phrase that said, hey, Jesus is coming. Salvation is here. You know, follow Christ. That's that's what that meant. But when you enter the town and are not welcome, go to the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Uh, Yet, be sure of this, the kingdom of God is here. I kind of want to point out, sometimes the implication I think could be like, oh, that means that I can give them the... The spiritual middle finger, whatever that is, to these people because they turn me. I don't think that's the idea. I think the idea is to let them know, like you're rejecting this. And oh, by the way, even though I'm telling you this, I still want you to know the kingdom of God is near. You should know that, right? So, but our goal there is is to share the gospel. And so, uh, <clears throat> I, and the thing is, is that phrase, the uh, the kingdom of God is coming. At that time, it had, I think, two meanings. It had the literal, the kingdom of God is coming. That was Jesus. They were going on ahead, so the kingdom of God, you know, Jesus was coming. He's going to be here in two days, right? And there's also the kind of the figurative or the bigger thing, you know, the kingdom of God is coming to the world. Um, And then we will, um, it says, rejection of God's peace brings the ultimate penalty. Um, So it mentions here about, you know, I tell you it'll be more bearable in Sodom. Um, you know, and woe to you, Corazon, woe to you, Bethsaida, for the miracles that were formed in you if they had been formed in Tyre and Sidon, which were um, pagan cities, uh, you know, they would have repented, you know, and it'll be worse for you. And so this idea here is that Sodom was, you know, Sodom was evil. We talked about that when we talked about Genesis. Sodom was evil, and they paid the penalty for that. But in some ways, there's a level of ignorance there. They were acting in their nature. They were evil. But here, these people are being told the kingdom of God is near. It's right there. This gift is there, and they're rejecting God, which seems to be a lot worse. Now, I don't know how worse it is. You know, it says it'll be worse for them. You know, Jesus didn't explain, well, what do you mean by worse? You know, what can be worse than hell for both people? I don't know, but apparently it'll be worse. Um and then we kind of move on from there. And it says, the other thing is, do not take rejection personal. I think that can be hard. I think if you're telling somebody about Jesus and they reject it, you get, can you get like, well, I'm offended. How, why why don't you like, you know, and, you know, and I've been there. You know, I always, I bring up uh, Richard Dawkins, always a favorite of mine to point out, because he really drives me, he really gets under my skin. Um, Big time atheist, and he's very vocal about it, right? But, you know, the thing is, I was reminded of this verse here is, is that, jesus says look it's not you they're not rejecting you they're rejecting me just remember that they're rejecting christ and they're rejecting his message and they're rejecting the one who sent him um and the last the third thing i want to point out the most important thing really is salvation of of the lost uh now the 72 return return uh everything's exciting you know they say even the demons uh you know, God, God rejoices with her. Jesus rejoices with the work they have done. He points out that Satan was hurt by this. He had seen Satan fall. Now, when I was looking at this, they said this may have been more of an allusion to the failure of Satan as opposed to him seeing him literally fall because there's, there's other mention of that in the Bible and more of, a, of an actual falling. Um, in addition, Jesus lets them know that he has bestowed pow- great power on them. Uh, by the way, snakes and scorpions a lot of times symbolic for evil, um, and he says you have the power to overcome evil. But then he kind of steps back and puts things in perspective. He say he dials it back, if you will. As I mentioned at the beginning, it was like you know, riding in a car and then slamming on the brakes. Uh, and I I thought to myself like you know because he says oh but wait wait a minute don't rejoice in the fact that I've given you all this power right. And I thought, you know, where does this verse come from, you know? uh, You know, I was thinking, you know, come on, Jesus. You know, we got a good thing going here. We got back. It's victory, and we have power. We've healed people. Everything's going, going. You know, why are you raining on this parade? Like, what is the deal? Like, why are we, why are you trying to bring me back down? You know, Jesus says, do not rejoice in that. Do not rejoice in the power of the spirits. Why? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with rejoicing in the power? Why shouldn't I rejoice in that? Jesus just mentioned that he saw Satan fall. Shouldn't we be pretty excited about that? Shouldn't I be excited about all those things? So where is this coming from? Why does Jesus choose at this moment to say this? And so I started kind of thinking this around, and I kind of thought, you know, actually following Jim's lead from a few weeks ago it may have been last week I don't remember where you talked about you needed to look backwards to the previous chapter maybe and the answer might be there so I kinda looked back to um, chapter nine and I was I was gonna I thought you know I think maybe might the answer be, might be there Now I don't know if it's a hundred percent chronological how things going but I think it, it that chapter nine if you I'm gonna do a quick overview of what it happened there illustrates where they may have been and why this verse comes out, why Jesus mentions this. So looking at um, chapter 9, and if you want to open, you can look through it. I'm not going to read through everything. I'm just going to broad overview, just kind of give you the quick facts. But there you have the sending out of the 12, which is very similar to this, the 70 and 72. They sent the 12 out, very similar instructions some of the same language so that's good and so but then we see the big miracle of the five thousand jesus feeds five thousand or at least five thousand with what what was it five loaves and two fishes so they see this great miracle happening at a time when they thought you know because if you remember that story it was you know they were telling jesus jesus you gotta let these people go and get something to eat and he's like you feed them like what we don't we don't have that kind of money we don't have that kind of food and so jesus demonstrates to him his great power Then he kind of predicts, then he predicts his death, mentioning that, you know, he was going to die and suffer. and And he tells the disciples that if they want to be his disciples, they must deny themselves. But then things really kick up at that point. We see Peter's declaration. This is where Jesus looks at them and goes, who do people say I am? And Jesus, and Peter props up and goes, you know, in, this, in Luke, he, he uses the term Messiah. You are the Messiah. Probably one of the greatest statements, really, it's one of the greatest statements of all time is what Peter says to Jesus. If you put all the statements ever said throughout time, this is the most powerful statement somebody's ever said to someone and then we have one of the most powerful, amazing events that occur after this not the most amazing because that would be Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead but it's one of them and that's the transfiguration so what happens there is uh, <clears throat> we see um, uh, we see Peter James and John get to see Jesus standing next to Elijah and Moses and then we have what Peter says he says this, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for each of you, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He, and then the, the, actually in the passage, Luke puts this little like note. He did not know what he is saying can't quite figure out if Peter is boasting, saying it is good for me, Peter, to be here, or if he's being more humble. I'm not quite sure, but you can kind of see this, you know, first they're sent out, and then all of a sudden they start seeing these miracles. We have this statement, "Oh, Peter, I'm going to, on the rock, you, I'm going to build this church on you, and then we see this transfiguration, right? So then Jesus, even like, Another thing happens. He heals a demon possessed. He outdoes the, the whole 5,000 and he heals the demon possessed bo- bo- uh, boy. Then he kind of tries to reel them in a little bit. I'm going to talk about my death again. I'm going to suffer and die. The sad thing is, is that they were not, doesn't appear to be paying attention. Um, <clears throat> they're focused on other things. You know, he predicts his death. But let me, And <clears throat> they started arguing about who would be the greatest and so I was trying to visualize this I go let's paint that picture right Jesus goes talking to them and is very serious very solemn he says he, he on his face he's look I'm going to die at the hands of men and Peter says yeah yeah I know you told us that before and he turns to John and says hey John what do you think is the greatest among us and if John says well I am, I'm the one that Jesus loves, and then Peter responds, wait, wait, I was the one who had the correct statement about Jesus said, plus, you know, I'm going to be Pope someday, right, no, I'm just kidding, he didn't say that, that's a whole other thing, right, um, and then James chimes in, he says, I was at the transfiguration, and then you have Thomas over in the order, and going, hey, we're all going to die at the hands of men, and then Judas thinking, what is it for me, right, so that's what's happening while Jesus is trying to tell them, hey, I'm going to die, right. Uh, Jesus again tries to reel them and he says look the first must be last and then John again jumps in and starts telling him this story about hey you know there was this people over there and they were casting the gall of them they were casting out demons in your name and we told them to stop because you know they were not and I quote they were not one of us they didn't know know the secret handshake they didn't have this magic membership card right you know, um, and he says, and I wonder who busted out with the first century version of, do you know who you're talking to? Or, I'm sorry, I don't recall seeing you at the Transfiguration. Jesus rebukes them and says, if they're not against us, they're for us. This reminds me of something in my own life. Uh, one time back, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of Benny Hinn. I'm not really a fan of how he does things. And I was kind of going on and on about him. And my dad corrected me. He says, hey, look, you know, like this if, he, if he's not a for us if he's not against these us, us. and you know even where where paul talks about even if someone shares the gospel for their own means it's still a good thing and i was like dad you know don't bring scripture into this i, I i'm on my rant right um but it reminds me of that we can think you know he's not one of us why are they doing that and jesus is like wait a minute the, the issue is the gospel the gospel is going forward what is what is wrong with you two guys right and as this we can see this they become obsessed with power we see in their response actually the very next which really still i i, I when I, re- I every time i read it it really just strikes me at their response it it says that jesus sent them on to a samaritan village because they were on their way to jerusalem but the samaritans were not welcome to, welcoming to them because they were going to Jerusalem they were Jews you know there was a whole thing between the Jews and the Samaritans and then the disciples say some very s- s- disturbing things um, uh, really still strikes me cho- I guess it shows this hard this is what it says when the disciples James and John saw this I'm sorry they asked Lord do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them but Jesus turned and rebuked them and I think it, where does that come from you know i i go like what are they what are they thinking about jesus here and that's where this whole question came of. what do we think of jesus peter says this great thing about who jesus is but then it's like well do you really understand what that means do you understand what the messiah is um i kind of um i, I kind of like in this this response it got me thinking was kind of the whole mafia dawn thing you know you know, he's he's you know you know God. Do you want us to take him out and whack him? You know that whole idea. And I started thinking about where, like, is that really how they see Jesus? Like, you know, Jesus. You know, they looks at Jesus in the wrong way. So we'll take them down. I started thinking, at, you know, and <clears throat> I started thinking about the God the movie, The Godfather. And I don't know if I should bring this up, and uh, you, but <laughs> I shouldn't watch The Godfather. But if you've seen that movie at the towards the end. Where Michael's for those that have seen it, Michael is is going to be the godfather to his nephew, and the whole priest asks these questions. You know, like, do you believe in God the Father created the earth? I do. Do you believe in Christ His Son? I do. Do you believe in the Holy Ghost? And then in the background are are his men that are preparing to go out and shoot, you know, he's going to knock out, like, the heads of certain families. And then it goes through this whole methodical thing where the priest goes, you know, Michael, do you renounce Satan? And then he shows one of them killing someone else, and he goes, I do renounce him. And do you renounce his ways? And I renounce him, and then somebody else is killed, and there's that scene where, you know, the guy walks in and, you know, Mo Green's sitting there, he puts his glasses, he shoots him, and he shoots him right in the eye. It's such a vivid scene, right? Uh, and it keeps saying how he renounced Satan, and he renounces the, his ways. Uh, and then somebody else is shot. And then he says, Michael, will you be baptized? I will. And, it, and, it, and, then, and then, it, then it goes to the scene seeing all these dead people. And then, you know, and then the priest says, go in peace, and may the Lord be with you. Amen. And then it kind of a little bit later jumps to the scene where he confronts his brother-in-law, Carlo, who must answer for, the, uh, for setting up Sonny. And Michael goes through. All these people are dead, and he says this classic line: "Today, I settle all family business." And I thought about this, and I, I know it's—I I love that movie. Maybe probably a little too much, but um, but I think that sometimes we can think of God like this. You know, is he some sort of tough guy? Is he really there, wanting to take people out that looked at him the wrong way? Um, <clears throat> God is going to settle accounts someday. He's going to settle the family business. God is all powerful and He will do what He wants to get who wronged Him. Um, to revisit my question from the beginning, though, what do you think about when you think of Jesus? Who is He and what is He all about? There's two questions that I kind of mentioned also at the beginning. It says, What do you expect God? And more specifically, do we truly understand? Uh, God, and even more specifically, what is important to the Lord? And, and our second question is, what is important to God at the top of our list of important things? Everyone loves power. All right, um, we get excited seeing God do miraculous things. I'm reminded um, of Tim the Tool Man Taylor from Home Improvement. His famous line: "More power!" Right? That was his thing. Right? We always like more power. And for those that like, you know, are big into autos and stuff, there's. You know, my thing about the electric versus internal combustion, there's nothing that beats the sound of an internal combustion engine and that rumble and the power, right? Um, And things like that. People like power. We see it in business. We see it in politics. We're drawn to power. In the church, we get excited about seeing God do miraculous things. We get caught up in the demonstration of God's power. However, Jesus is saying, slow down. It's not about any of that. Um, the power, that power over evil spirits, the ability to heal, is all just tools to the greatest thing of all. And what is that great thing? It's that we rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That is the important part. That is the thing that we should be most excited about. And I think uh, I thought of things we must rejoice because you are one of his children. Um, You must rejoice because you are saved. We rejoice because God has saved others. How many of you tend to get more excited about the demonstration of God's power and forget that we should be focused on salvation? Salvation is where it's all about. Do we get excited when people come to the Lord? Do we kind of think those other things are great, but they're really not what it's all about? It's all about... Our salvation—you know—the fact that we're saved, God found us, but that He has found others, and that's really our barometer. Um, and if people don't come to Christ, people reject—that's a really sad thing. Um, it's a really sad thing. No matter what else has happened. Well, we're finishing early. Um, I have, I'm going to conclude here, really, kind of just to sum up what this passage means. Number one is we're the seventy-two right that's who we are we are that we carry out the mission of the church just like they do all right and we have that's an example for us we go out before the lord and tell people the kingdom of god is near because it is near it is here and it's near all of us the second thing is the most important thing for us is that our names are written in the lamb's book of life that means we're saved it's also the most important thing is that other people find jesus you know, people will reject. I think the one thing, too, when I think about rejecting is, is the point is to let them know. But then if they reject it, you move on. That's the other thing. There's no, like, don't, you don't have to sit there and try to. It's not your job to convince people that they should follow Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's your job to tell them. It's your job to be the witness. And if people turn back, that's, you know, that's their choice. And then we move on to others. That's the model we have. Um, we're not gonna, there's not going to be a song where I'm just going to close this in prayer and say, um, God bless you all. Um, and I hope that God takes you out safely. I hope you have a f- great holiday uh, tomorrow. I hope you all relax, because uh, we all need relaxation. And let's close this out in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us this day. Help us to take the things that we learned today and apply it to our lives just uh paint them on our heart and bless us this day help us to have a great holiday weekend and a great week help us lord in particular though to remember to focus in on the most important thing and that is people know you and come to know you so that others may have their names written on the lamb's book of life help us to not forget that and remember that it's always about letting people know that god loves them and cares about them and he wants wants to uh, to be a part of their lives and your name Jesus to pray these things amen